Most of the listeners to Waterproof Records listen to the show and they don't watch the show. But if you happen to watch the show on YouTube, you'll notice, hey, I'm in a different space. But if you've been here since the beginning, this is the OG spot. This is my bedroom, essentially. I've carved out a corner of this room to podcast, and I'm making it look a little bit better. I have the Hum poster behind me, the Beatles record, which was my mother's, and uh, Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream, original copy from the 90s um, that I've had since the 90s. I didn't shell out a, a bunch of money for trying to track it down. Not that I wouldn't do that, you guys. I would do that. But, um, but I'm back here. Uh, one of the main reasons is I'm going to start making more episodes of the show and Believe Limited is an incredible space, but it's it's very kind of them to allow me to use it, and it's not something that we can always coordinate easily. So when I can record it, Believe, I will, and when I can't, I'll just come right back here. But another reason that I'm back here in my original spot is that I have some incredibly exciting news. But let's get to that right after we do the intro. Today's episode, we are talking about Bjork's Post. Let's go. Things are gonna change. I can feel it. It just won't be that kind of fun. How'd you like that cliffhanger, huh? You have to wait through the whole intro song to find out what is it that I'm so excited about. Well, I am... What is that noise? That's my zipper of my hoodie. What a perfect intro. The zipper of my hoodie is hitting the shirt, I mean, hitting the table, and um, it's making that noise, but I'm wearing a hoodie that says, Distro Kid! And you guys, that is the great news. That is my exciting news. DistroKid is the official sponsor of Waterproof Records Podcast. How about them apples? I cannot tell you how excited I was when I got in touch with DistroKid and they said they wanted to sponsor this show because I use DistroKid and let me tell you why. So you know if you've been following me for a while that I made an album back in 2007 called From Out of the Deep End. Well, I had been you know, prompted by many people on social media and through live streams, they were like, you should put your album on Spotify, on iTunes, you know, all these platforms. And I just didn't know how to do that anymore. You know, it had been a long time since 2007. I didn't know what was readily available. And I reached out to John Walker, who's been on the show, incredibly talented musician. And I said, hey, who did you use? And he said, Distro Kid. And I was like, oh, that's right. So when I made, uh, when I put From Out of the Deep End on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, um, all of those services, they have so many services that they they can put you on YouTube Music, um, Tidal. But uh, when I when I wanted to know where to put it, I reached out to him. He said DistroKid, and I used them, and that's exactly why I am now so proud to talk about what they do. They are an online distribution company for independent artists like me, like you. And because they are sponsoring this show, they have given me a awesome VIP URL that I'm going to share with you, and you should definitely go to it. It's just distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash waterproof. And you can do that in all caps or lowercase or whatever. But that will take you to 30% off 
of your first year of DistroKid. You should definitely do it if you've been thinking about putting your songs out there in the world and you wanna share your art, you wanna share your music, you should use my link, trust me. If you can't remember what I told you just now, then just follow my links on my social medias and it's all there. So DistroKid, DistroKid. I've got this cool hoodie, I've got a shirt, I've got a hat, I got a, a beanie, man. I'm loaded up, but I'm going to take off this hoodie now because I am starting to sweat because I'm inside, but it's perfect and keeping me nice and warm. But again, anyway, I was excited to tell you guys about that, but thank you for letting me talk about that at the top of the show. But let's get into Bjork post Bjork legendary iconic. I mean, who doesn't love Bjork? Well, actually, there's probably a lot of people who don't get into what she does because it is very much art, uh, you know, out of the box. It's definitely cutting edge, avant-garde. It definitely explores different landscapes of sound. But I chose to do post for good reason, because while it's her second day, you know, her second album, once she went solo, solely as Bjork, um, it's the album that won me over. It was released on June 7th, 1995. And the album before is a in d- direct connection to Post. Bjork releases debut in 1993, and that's her debut as a solo artist. Um, and then after that comes Post, and that's in direct correlation, even the name of it is. Now, I had heard debut, and I liked it. I heard Human Behavior and some of the tracks off that album. I didn't. I don't remember buying it or getting it, but I remember seeing the music videos and thinking it was very cool. And I was like, hey, Bjork from the Sugar Cubes, because I'd been introduced to the Sugar Cubes on college radio. I think I've mentioned on the show before how my brother and I would listen to this Roger State College, uh, this college radio station that was playing, you know, uh, nearby where we grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And that's where we would learn about Pixies and The Cure and The Smiths and Dead Kennedys. And we'd hear some crazy stuff, you know. Um, but I remember that's probably where we were introduced to the Sugar Cubes. And then I would see Sugar Cubes on 120 Minutes. Um, and then I know in 1990, she did Gling Glow, which is like, that's Bjork, but with other people involved on that project, that's like jazz, uh, numbers and, and some of those tunes, but this is really her kind of stepping out on her own. Well, post is the one that grabbed me. That's the one that I think the way that she was marrying together, these sounds, these trip hop sounds, touches of rock, electronica, dance, ambient, um, art pop, and then even kind of big band Broadway with its oh so quiet. It was just for me something I had never heard or experienced before and just pulled me right in and I was on board. And after that, I got debut and I was thrilled when Homogenic came out and I've kept up mostly with her career through her life, although I think that the height of my love of Bjork was during the 90s, and I still have tried to keep up with a lot of stuff. Of course, I loved the Dancer in the Dark soundtrack. That's incredible as well. She's incredibly talented as a uh, as an actress as well. Um, but we're gonna, we're here to talk about Post. So it's got dual name meaning behind it because Post was Bjork had lived her whole life in Iceland, and um, when she wrote debut. She, you know, she had collected all those songs from the 10 years prior of being in Iceland. Those are songs that were written back then. And then she moves to London, I think, in 1993. And at this point in time, she is a, you know, young woman who has a child 
I want to say that Sindri was like six years old around the time that she moved to London. Um, and it's, you know, that's a, that's a very uh, extreme change for the way her life was before Bjork had a very, you know, um, peaceful in touch with nature childhood. There are stories about her walking 40 minutes every day to get to school and in that unbelievably epic Icelandic landscape of, you know, volcanic, you know, these glaciers and volcanoes and moss covered areas. And, you know, the things that she would experience growing up as a child, you can hear it in her music. I know you know what I'm talking about. Bjork has this way of communicating music that feels like this is what a volcano would hum. This is what a tree would say. This is what a stream would do. You know what I mean? It has this earthly nymph um, elf like quality to it. I, there's something magical about Iceland in that part of the world, which I, I long to visit um, someday. And I've, I've done a show on Sigaros as well. Um, there's just so much talent that comes out of that area. And I think that that, that world that they grow up in is just, you look around and how can you not be inspired? So that being said, debut coming from that, that, that standpoint of growing up and that's the songs from her past. There was a sleekness to it. She talks about in an interview, how debut had this London sleekness, not as a negative thing, but it had a polish. And by the time she gets to post, she's been living in London for a couple of years. And that's a much more chaotic place to live a lot more going on. And she wanted to be more expressive wanted the album to have a little bit more of a raw emotional feel. I read somewhere that she said, you know, debut was a London sound, whereas post is Scotland and Manchester and Bristol and um, Bristol being the, the start of the trip hop movement. And that ties all into this album because so many of the uh, producers and people involved helping her put this album together were part of that trip hop um, beginning. And so you can really hear it on the album, but it's, it's a really special piece of, of music and art. And I'll, I'll get back real quick to why it's called post. It was post as in letters being written back home to her family in Iceland. Um, and that was like a post. This is all a letter. And I didn't even put this together and you may laugh at me for this, but the cover, uh, which was shot by Stefan said um, shot that cover and the jacket she's wearing that iconic jacket. I didn't know that the red and the blue on the lapel was supposed to represent UK airmail. So that's actually, you know, a nod to the, the mail, you know, being an American. I think now that I see it, I go, Oh yeah, of course. Or maybe I subconsciously knew it or even forgot it. I don't know. You guys, I'm 44 years old, but I, once I realized that I was like, Oh, that's so cool. And then she's just, you know, there in the middle surrounded by all these colorful postcards and things behind her. And it's a beautiful way to introduce that album and that feel because it's, it's colorful. She sits kind of still and motionless in the middle of all of it. She stands out in white, you know, um, snow, like almost everything's colorful and a bit chaotic. Um, and that again was shot by Stefan said, who directed one of the music videos. I want to say possibly maybe, um, but we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, 
That album cover originally was going to be a different photo altogether. It was um, Bjork laying in like a like a looks like it's all these silver balls, like a ball pit. And she's like laying in these silver balls. And I think that was the original cover intention. But then they changed it because she knew she needed to have something that was more kind of like I'm a pop star. I think she was beginning to realize like this is. Um, who I am putting forward out in the world to release this album. And I think it has a nice parallel to debut because she's front and center on the cover of that album too. So it was, it was only fitting that she would do it again. Um, but that is a, that's how we are introduced. And I want to say, I think that the first piece of music I heard off of um, this album was Army of Me. I feel like it was. Um, it could have very well been It's Oh So Quiet, um, but Army of Me, what a way to start this record. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just that grinding, mechanical beat, tribal, industrial, really, really breaking down the walls. Um, and that's I, that when you hit play on this and there's even that like that boom at the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm in for it now. So much of the sound of this record comes together because Bjork reached out to Nellie Hooper um, who was a you know world famous uh, musician pr- producer, and had worked with Massive Attack and and part of the whole Bristol scene, and asked over and over again to help produce, and he was like, no, you d- you should do this on your own. And then after begging and pleading, he got involved, and so did Tricky. Um, Tricky got involved. Howie B got involved, and then um, uh, Graham Massey. Um, from 808 state. And so all these producers were on board to help her put this record together. But I believe that when she started recording it in 1994, she originally went to the Bahamas. There's a place there called compass point studios. And, um, she recorded the first tracks and, and few rough sketches of the album in the Bahamas. And it said that she was so close to the beach that she had some incredibly long mic cables and she was able to just walk outside and record some of her vocals while looking out at the shore out in the Bahamas. In fact, um, one song on the album, which this is true, it's near the end. Cover me. The song cover me was the vocals were recorded in a cave. Um, I read somewhere also that it said it was just under the starry sky um, at night in the Bahamas, you know, out by the, out by the ocean. But, um, another account says it was in a cave, a cave with bats, no less. But if you do hear the audio, the vocals for cover me, they do sound like that microphone was probably not like a super high end studio mic. It's got a little bit of a a effect on it, but it, it is amazing to listen to that song now and think, wow, she was sitting in a cave. So cool. I love that. Um, but the the producing of this album, like I talked about being in London and having that frantic energy to it and having all these, you know, really talented producers bringing in Howie B, you know, Nellie Hooper, bringing in this trip hop vibe. You can hear it on that first track, Army of Me, which was written towards her younger brother, I believe. And she was doing it as kind of a you need to stop living in self-pity. You need to stand up, you know. Uh, she's trying to snap him out of it. Self-pity, kind of not doing anything with your life. Go go wash your hair and get motivated and get up and at him again. So kind of a call to, um, I read it was about her brother. Another account said it was a friend. But, um, but anyway, this also introduced a huge part of Bjork's universe to me, 
which was director Michelle Gondry. The incredibly brilliant, eccentric, unique style of Michelle Gondry. This would be years before he would make a film that is quite possibly my favorite film of all time, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I just love his style. I love the way that it's like this, you know, special effects, but they have this childlike wonder to them. You know, everything from giant cardboard boxes and yarn, and there's this playfulness to Michelle Gondry's way, and you see it right out of the gate with the video for Army of Me, which it's like in this, looks like kind of an apocalyptic industrial world. Uh, Bjork is driving this giant, you know, tank-like van. You know, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like this giant machine. And everything keeps tying back to teeth in the video. There's a lot of references to teeth. But it has that really out-of-the-box artistic style of Michelle Gondry. And the video follows her. You know, she's she's like... She opens up the hood of the machine and there's like these teeth and this guy climbs out and then she goes to get her teeth fixed at a dentist and the dentist is a gorilla and the gorilla finds a diamond in her mouth and then she takes the diamond and she runs and the diamond starts to grow larger and larger. It's all very Michelle Gondry. And then she goes to go plant a bomb in this like art gallery next to this guy who I guess is her boyfriend in the video. And um, it... uh, they actually had to, I think they had to pull it off of MTV because this video released around the time of the Oklahoma City bombing. And so in the end of the video, she puts, you know, a bomb next to this guy and then the building blows up. And I think everybody was feeling really sensitive back then. Me being personally from Oklahoma, I do remember, you know, uh, I was in class when the bombing occurred. I was in Tulsa. It was in Oklahoma City. And it was a big deal for us. It was a pretty big deal. This is a pre-9-11 world. And so um, an act of uh, terror of that size, the Oklahoma City bombing, none of us, especially in Oklahoma, had even come close to witnessing something like that. And I swear to this day, I may be wrong, but I could swear I was outside and I heard a pop in the air um, during the bombing. Now, that's something I've always said to people. I don't know how plausible it is. But it was almost like the sound wave of the explosion had traveled and I heard something in the air, almost like when you hear a like a car crash in the distance. But it was so unusual and odd to me at the time. I just was like, oh, what was that? And then it was shortly after that we found out about the bombing. At least that's how I remember it, you guys. The mind is a funny thing. But back to the video. So Michelle Gondry directs this video. They pull it off of MTV. But this is a multi-collaboration video process that Bjork has with Michelle Gondry. He, you know, back in the 90s, these these music video directors were just auteurs. They were so talented. They all, I, you know, oh my gosh, the collections of like DVDs that you could buy of some of the, these videos in the 90s were outstanding. And uh, Michelle Gondry had a handful of these and a lot of them were Bjork's videos. And they went on to do, you know, I didn't even remember all of them. I went back and researched, but they did a video for Army of Me, um, Hyper Ballad, which I'm going to get to that in a second. They did a video for It's Oh So Quiet. They did a video for Isabel. And they did a video for Possibly Maybe. So, I mean, they did a lot of videos off of this this record. Um, But before I get down into all those, the next song on the album, Hyper Ballad, that's the one. That's the one for me. It always has been. 
If you follow my TikToks, you'll see that I made a TikTok about the first time hearing Hybrid Ballad. While that wasn't the first Bjork song I'd ever heard, that's the one that left a mark. I'll never forget the feeling of hearing that song for the first time. I put in the TikTok that it like took me to space, like I was soaring through colors. And when I saw that filter, I was like, that's that's pretty close. Um, a compliment to her and the production of this album, the bass, that resonant bass when it opens, you know, doom. The way that it hums and vibrates, I feel like even if you have the shittiest speakers in the world, you will feel that. You know what I mean? Like, sure, you could have an incredibly sophisticated sound system and have like that bass rumble your entire house. And trust me, it's really cool when it does that. But even on a, 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 a portable CD player plugged into your boombox or on your Walkman, your headphones or whatever, somehow they mixed that album so that that low hum bass gets you. You can feel it right in your chest, like surging through your body. And oh, I just remember being mesmerized when I heard it. I was just like, this is incredible. Just slowly climbing down. And the imagery that she paints in that lyrics wise, I've told you guys before, I don't pay that much attention to lyrics. I never have. But this is an example. Hyperballad is an example of like intrusive thoughts leaking into a song, you know, like there's that moment when she says, and I'm back at my cliff throwing things off. I wonder what my body would sound like. Um, that is a moment that I was like, whoa, you know, because on one hand you could say, oh, it's like a thought of suicide. But it's also just that those intrusive thoughts that we all experience where you're looking over a ledge and you just suddenly go like, huh, I wonder if I wonder if I jumped, you know. I don't mean to be dark or macabre about that subject material. I just mean those thoughts that, you know, we all get those random, crazy, fleeting thoughts. And I feel like Bjork really captured that feeling in looking at the cliff. And it, it, it definitely has a lot more resonance and heaviness to it, as in what if I actually died in this moment? But Hyper Ballad is my favorite Bjork song of all time. And it stands the test of time. I've heard great covers of it. But it still transports me. Once that beat starts to double and get faster at the end, it just, it, it soars, you know? It's hard to put it into words. That's why I made a TikTok. That's why I have the account. Um, but anyway, I, I could go track by track on here, but really there's some highlights that I just wanted to point out because I know I've been going for a little bit already. But um, The Modern Things is a great song. Apparently that's about technology always being in existence around us. And in it waiting for us to discover it, you know, that like it was it was inside of a mountain or something like that. I think this is the song she said um, when she would be traveling to other countries and there would be these people that would be holding a remote control in one hand to their television, but then also believe that they were watching television with a ghost, you know, that that parallel between two worlds. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. It's a great song. The, the changes. There's so much or orchestration on this album. And I believe that was done after the Bahamas. She started at Compass Point in Nassau with the long microphone cable and going out to the cave. But she had a good amount of the album complete, went back to London and then did a lot more tweaking and overdubs on vocals. And from what I remember, she gained a lot more inspiration and motivation to finish the record once she started adding in real instruments. 
and a lot of the orchestration and and really giving it that texture because the stuff that had been recorded in the Bahamas were, were probably vocals, beats, you know, synthesizers, things that made the songs feel maybe more like debut. But there is something about this album that kicks up a notch. You know what I mean? In my opinion. Um, and then we get to It's Oh So Quiet. It's Oh So Quiet. Um, I am ashamed to say uh, my entire life, I don't think I knew it was a cover. You know, I think that now that you say it to me, I'd go, oh, well, yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense that something like It's Oh So Quiet would be a cover because you'd go, well, that makes sense. You know, it's not, it's like big band. It sounds old timey. Not that Bjork doesn't have the capability of writing something like that, but it was from 1951 from an American actress, singer, comedian, performer, dancer named Betty Hutton. It was her song that she, well, she made it famous. I guess it was written before her as well. Um, I think a German composer, but she made it famous in 1951. It's so, so quiet. And you know what? She kicks ass at that. If you should, you should go listen to Betty Hutton's version. It's great. Bjork not only did an incredible tribute and made it her own, but Betty's version, you, you think, wow, with the screams and the, the energy that she brings into it, even in 1951, I'm like, that, that's a really cool piece of music. Um, but this is, this is a very memorable video. This one was handed over to Mr. Spike Jones, another one of those incredible video uh, directors from that era. And it's, you know, Bjork is like walking out of a, a factory or something like that. And then she's walking into a tire shop and then suddenly she's dancing and everybody around her is dancing and she's walking out on this LA street and she's wearing this yellow dress. And it's just like, you know, got this positive fun energy. Um, and it ends with her kind of flying away towards the sky, kind of like at the end of Greece, you know, and, um, Bjork has described it as a palate cleanser for the album, you know, because of the, the darker themes and heavier subject material that it's kind of a good place in the album to just kind of be like, it's, you, you'll, you'll be all right. You know what I mean? Um, but that's a that's a cool video as well. Spike Jones doing his uh, his very exaggerated style of directing with dancing. He loved dancing in his videos. Um, but it's also quiet now that I know it's a Betty Hutton song. I just think that's even cooler, right? And then you get to enjoy another really dark, dark sounding song with these these beats and this this grindingness to it. You know. So good. Um, I don't think I have anything really stand out about enjoy to say other than it's just a great song. It's just a fantastic song. Then we get to you've been flirting again. And this is just a very simple, you know, the strings are building and it just builds and builds. It's got that orchestral touch to it. There's not much going on rhythmically in it. There's not much other instruments happening other than Bjork's voice and strings. And this is so much more of what she was bringing to the table, which is I'm going to change direction. You know, I'm going to go from these techno songs to big band, to then this, this piece of music. And, um, I think it's said that it's about that feeling you get when you're, you're flirting with somebody and you don't know what's right and what's wrong and what's correct and how you feel or how you're supposed to respond. And I think it's pretty great. And then, um, Isabel is up next. And that is a standout track on the album. I believe she wrote that while she was during Christmas in Reykjavik and she was back home. Um, but that's a very Bjork song. You know, it's about this girl from the forest, from the woods, living in the city and feeling kind of like, I don't belong here. 
and then returning the, to nature again. There is a music video for that. It's another Michelle Gondry. I don't remember ever seeing that one play on MTV. I found it on YouTube and maybe it did play at odd hours. That was the thing about those shows like, you know, 120 minutes and they always played them in the middle of the night. So you, you were lucky if you got to stay up and watch one from time to time, but I don't remember it, but it's another Gondry video. It's black and white. It's got a lot of cool kind of in camera effects with lighting and things moving around and uh, you know, it's just so cool that she asked him to do so many. My favorite video that Michelle Gondry did for Bjork of, of all time, probably my, I would say top top three videos of all time is Bachelorette by Michelle Gondry, but that's off homogenic, so we can't talk about that one right now, but I'm just going to tease you with it. I'm teasing you. Um, then we get to possibly maybe, and this is said to have been about her relationship with Stefan Sednui. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, she said that this is a, not as hopeful of a song. Like it's a little bit more, you know, a little bit more of a bummer. And this is a chill, you know, slow ambient beats. It's just got a, uh, you know, different vibe to it altogether. But, um, if it is about Stefan and her relationship with him, he also directed the video. And the video is a bunch of set pieces. I can only describe it as like if a photographer has a bunch of setups for photo shoots and they're just using that environment. You know, in this one, Bjork's eating a watermelon. And in this one, she's painted in neon lights. You know, it, it, it reminded me of somebody who kind of wanted a video to also be able to double as a Rolling Stone photo shoot or something. <laughs> it's good. It's nice. But it's another one that when I went back and watched it, I was like, I don't recall seeing this um, on MTV. So only a couple of them really, really slid through. And then we get to uh, another video, I Miss You, um, which has this fun kind of, you know, these horns and dance vibe to it. It kind of reminds me of stuff off of Debut. And maybe that actually was one that she had written before because there was there were a few before posts that were like meant to go on Debut and they didn't. So that might be one of them. But that is, um, unfortunately, it's an animated video that was done by the guy who did Ren and Stimpy, uh, John something. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he's had a lot of accusations come out about him, um, which is unfortunate, you know, because I did love Ren and Stimpy. But this video, I do remember seeing this video. They they pulled it from MTV because at the end, I guess there's like kind of boobies and there's uh, there's some violence, and so it didn't get a play on MTV. But I I could swear either I saw it years later. Or somehow it snuck through the cracks. But I did remember seeing this one. This this Ren and Stimpy style animated video. But now we get to Cover Me. Which is the one in the in the cave. Which is great. Great piece of music. That's said to be as a. That song is said to be as a thank you to Nellie Hooper. For you know joining her on this journey of making post. But as we wrap things up. We get down to Headphones. Which is a, a song. That Bjork has said. It's when. You know, somebody gives you a, a mixtape, uh, a lover or friend gives you a mixtape. And this song is a perfect way to close the album because it's a love letter to sound. It really is because sound is so magical. And what better person to tell us about that than Bjork? You know, her in tuneness, her in touchness with nature and the world around her and her environment is is really comes through her music. And so this was an unusual time in her life. Um, she went through a lot 
living in London with a young son. This is famously during the era of post is when Bjork had the Bjork stalker who tried to kill her via mail, sent her a, sent her a book filled with sulfuric acid and a bomb, tried to kill her that way, which it was intercepted. And then that guy killed himself watching VHS tapes about, you know, he was in love with her. He's obsessed with her. And he was making all these videos about how they were meant to be together. And he sent her this bomb. And then right after he mailed it off to her, he killed himself on tape. I think there's been documentaries made about him before, but that was the Bjork stalker. And that was going on during this time. And then also this is that one of the famous incidents where she attacked a journalist in Bangkok. If you've never seen the video, it's kind of funny. I don't mean to poke fun. It's been enough time. You can tell she's just had it. You know what I mean? I admire Bjork for moments like this where she just is like not going to take shit from anyone. But I think it was 95 or 96. And she had asked the press like, hey, don't ask me any questions when I get off the plane. I'm traveling with my son. It was a grueling journey to get her there. And right as she gets off the plane, she's pushing her luggage cart and the journalists just start coming, asking questions, swarming her. And and some lady like leans over and, and asks a question of her son and Bjork just loses it, just flails on this lady, beats her down, knocks her down to the ground, starts hitting her head. I mean, I think it was pretty, pretty gnarly. I mean, Bjork seems like a petite person, but who knows how bad those hits hurt? I don't know. It's kind of like when my mom used to. My mom used to spank me like when I was little. My mom was a very small woman. And when I was young, it would hurt. But it didn't take long until her spankings were like didn't feel like much, you know. So I don't know what it's like getting hit by Bjork. But anyway, the the journalist said no charges will be pressed, you know, no harm, no foul. I guess maybe I overstepped or I don't, I don't know how they resolved it, but it ended up being OK. But uh, this was an interesting time. Uh, for her career. And then shortly after this, she leaves London and goes to Spain and that's where homogenic is created. And I think that the, there's something about the album. It does shift a little bit. There is a shift post post and onto homogenic. Um, but before we wrap things up, yeah, I was going to just say back on the whole idea of headphones and the love letter to music and sound. Um, that's, you know, one of the things I love about what I'm doing with you guys and exploring these albums and you checking out Waterproof Records and letting me talk you through, like, these moments in my life, these memories, these impactful moments where I first heard an artist and I'm hoping that they resonate with you or whether you never really gave this artist a chance or if this is the the reminder that you needed to go back and listen to how great of uh, the, the music was during this time. So fortunate. And I feel so fortunate. So once again, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been with me. There's a lot more of these coming. Some of them will be here um, in my home studio and some will be at believe, but um, I'm so excited to have distro kid as a part of what I'm doing. And I can't wait to work for them, you know, work with them for many years to come. Because I love what they do. And you should definitely check them out. Go to that link, distrokid.com backslash VIP backslash waterproof. That's in all my socials again. But please tell your loved ones about this show. I recently went on iTunes and I read some of the comments. And you guys have written some of the nicest things, like the five stars and the comments. Um, those always help. Because if people find my show and they see there's a lot of positive reviews 
and nice things that are said that that totally helps me. So if you can help me by doing that, you know, go make a comment, say you like the show, um, go check out DistroKid. And then last but not least, just tell people, say Waterproof Records is a is a great show about music and I think you'd enjoy it. Um, I can't do this show without an audience. So thank you guys again for joining me for another episode of Waterproof Records and we'll see you next time. Things are going to change, I can feel it. It's just going to be that kind of body. Waterproof.